Welcome back to Idgits and Assbutts. My name's Rochelle. And I'm Lynn. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 12, called Ju and Bello. I know I said that right because I YouTubed it. <laughs> yeah, YouTubed that crap. I did. <laughs> and then we made the Ju sounds to try and like get the right word. Right. You know, like car sounds to try. Yeah. We're sitting here going Ju. You know, <laughs> okay. We got it. We got it. I think we I did think. it okay. <laughs> So we're in Monument, Colorado. Sam and Dean are searching through an apartment or a hotel room with their guns out. <laughs> Dean says, what are you laughing about? <laughs> Tickets to the gun show. <laughs> <laughs> I meant actual weapons. They weren't, I know. They weren't wearing tank tops. <laughs> it's just like, I just had a, you know... Middle school flashback moment. It's like, do you have tickets to what? To the gun show. <laughs> and you're like, boom, bam, firepower. Oh it's my fine. god. Anyways. <laughs> okay, so Dean says, any sign of it? And Sam says, nothing. Are you sure this is Bella's room? Dean holds up a bunch of wigs and says, I'd say so. Then the landline phone rings. Dean picks it up and it's Bella. She says, Dean, sweetie, are you there? Dean says, where are you? She says, two states away by now. Dean says, where? She says, where's our usual quippy banter? I miss it. (laughs) Dean says, I want it back, Bella, now. Bella says, you're a little pistol, you mean? I can't at the moment. Dean says, you understand how many people are going to die if you do this. Bella says, what is it exactly that you think I plan to do with it? Dean says, take the only weapon we have against an army of demons and sell it to the highest bidder. She says, you know nothing about me. You know nothing, Jon Snow. (laughs) Dean says, I know I'm going to stop you. She says, tough words for a guy who can't even find me. He says, oh, I'll find you, sweetheart. You know why? Because I have absolutely nothing better to do than to track you down. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) She says, that's where you're wrong. You're about to be quite occupied. Did you really think I wouldn't take precautions? Just then, the cops bust into the room and Bella hangs up. Dean says, that bitch... And yeah, she is. That is such a bitchy thing to do. <laughs> so the boys are on the floor and getting read their Miranda rights when Agent Hendrickson walks in. I hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he says, hi, guys. It's been a while. And then we get our opening title sequence. So we cut to Agent Hendrickson uh, walking into the police station. The sheriff says, so did you get them? Hendrickson says, where is everyone? I asked for all of your men. The sheriff says, and you got them. They went with you on the raid. Hendy says, oh, yeah, I'm going to call him Hendy from now on again. <laughs> I think he did last time. I think so, too. Yeah. It, was, it was a bitch to keep writing Hendrickson. <laughs> so Hendy says, four men, that's all? The sheriff says, everyone I could drum up with an hour's notice. Blah. Everyone I could drum up with an hour's notice. We're a small town, agent. They go back into the cell holding area, and there's one dude behind the bar sleeping. Hendy asks, what's he in for? And the sheriff says, drunk and disorderly. So Agent Hendy asks for the keys, and he opens up the cell. The sheriff says, what are you doing? And Hendy says to the drunk guy, it's your lucky night, sir. You are free to go. The sheriff says, what the hell are you doing? Agent Henderson, you can't just release my prisoners. Hendy says, look, I get it. You're Mayberry PD, and this isn't how I'd do it if I had my choice. But a tip's a tip, and we had to move fast. (laughs) He's holding a grudge is what he's doing. (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) The sheriff says, look, agent, this isn't my first rodeo. Hendy says, you've never been to a rodeo like this before. You have any idea who we're about to bring in here? The sheriff says, yeah, a couple of fugitives. Hendy says, the most dangerous criminals you've ever laid your eyeballs on. Think Hannibal Lecter and his half-wit little brother. (laughs) Sammy is always getting the short end of the stick. Like, all the time. He is constantly the butt of all of the jokes. I love it. Yeah, because Dean, I mean, Sam and Hendy don't have the relationship that Dean does for some reason. Yeah. You know what? I've been seeing this all over Facebook right now. Who is the show about? Is it Sam's story? Because everyone is saying that it's Sam's story because he comes first in the credits. So I saw something the other day, actually, that was like the writer said that it's Sam's story because they were following him at the beginning. Like, it was yeah. his story at the very beginning, and then Dean came along, and then now it's, like, it's both the brothers or whatever, right. but it's, like, Sam's story. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can see that in the first five episodes, for sure, or five seasons. I mean, not five yeah. episodes, but I can see that for sure. But there are a lot of 
Dean-centric episodes. I mean, I'm sure that's what it was to begin with. I don't know about now. Yeah. But I did see something that was like, yeah, it's like this is told from Sam's point Mm -hmm. of view. Like, sort of, you know, not really, but. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've just, I've honestly wondered if this show, I mean, in the last couple years, I've honestly been like, I feel like this is Dean's show more than Sam's show. I mean. So it just has me questioning everything. I, I feel like it kind of probably goes back and forth. Yeah. Like, especially during some of the seasons where it's like, okay, mm, you know, like it's def- some of it's like, okay, this is definitely Dean's thing. Or some of it's like, okay, this is definitely Sam's thing. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I feel like it started off as Sam's story. Okay. I can agree with that. I think that's what their yeah. answer was for that. Anyways, I don't know about everything, but. Mm-hmm. It just was something I had been wondering myself if this was supposed to be Dean's story and then for the internet to be like, it's Sam's story. I'm just like, what is life? No. <laughs> I don't understand. At the beginning, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's both of their stories now and they kind of go I back and forth. But like from the beginning, it was definitely a Sam thing. Yeah. Okay. Hendy says, do you know what these guys do for kicks? Dig up graves and mutilate corpses. They're not just killers, Sheriff. They're Satan-worshipping nutbag killers. So work with me here. I'll get them out of your hair and on their way to Supermax, and you'll be home in enough time to watch the farm report. The sheriff says, however we can help. Hendy says, those men of yours, put them at the exits. The sheriff says, yes, sir. As they're having this conversation, there's a young woman named Nancy doing receptionist work. She looks a little scared at what Hendy is saying, and she starts touching the cross around her neck. The cross necklace around her neck. Rosary, uh, I think, isn't it? Oh, no, no, no. no. She has the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she does have, I'm going to mention it in a minute, I think. I'm getting ahead of the game. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what? Anyways. Hold on, I got to drink this. <laughs> we should have, like, a little thing where if we have to, like, take a drink or whatever, that we just, like, play, like, hold music or whatever. Like, okay, oh, how, yeah. like, Wayward Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Are you caught up for the most part? No, I'm not. Okay, so, like, in a couple of the, well... I only remember it in the last episode that I listened to. I don't remember what it was, but they're like, hold, please. And then they'd like play some hold music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to look this up real quick. And Okay, we're back. Yeah, <laughs> my, my favorite podcast called, and that's why we drink, they do elevator music. So they'll like have some sort of conversation. They'll be like, I need to tell you something. Elevator music. And then <laughs> it'll play elevator music mm-hmm. for a minute. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, we could do something like that. That seems like a lot of effort. Okay, here's the thing, though. It's not even that. I mean, in a lot of effort, and as in we've tried to, like, cut and add things in later on, Mm -hmm. and we can't do it. (laughs) And by we, I mean me. Well, we didn't read any any info on how to do it right so no but you would think that like cut and paste right you so you like we could cut things out mm-hmm. but like as far as going to a random spot and like inserting some sound or whatever mm-hmm. like y- we tried to do that and it put it in a totally random spot yeah of the podcast <laughs> and Oh, uh, where'd it go? Let's just maybe just do some research on how to do it. We should. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could improve. <laughs> okay, how many episodes is this? I think this this is 56. So 56 episodes in, we and we still, still have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> we literally, all I know how to do is to cut and to save. Like, that's Michelle, all. you're doing a bang-up job. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know two things. <laughs> I feel like if I were to know more things, we could do a lot of cool things with this. Well, let's do some research but on how to do it. <laughs> I think you just Google, like, how do I do this on Audacity? Yeah, but also, see, we tried to do that with the whole chipmunk thing, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, everything in Audacity apparently is, like, 13 steps long. You can't just, like, cut and paste or whatever, okay. you know? Like, because remember how we were trying to get, we are just like, okay, we just have to, like, click one button, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we do this? And it's like, go here and do this and then go do this and then go do this and then, oh, do this and then go back and do this. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. And we still couldn't figure it out. Yeah. But what are you staring at? I think I have an infection on my toe. <laughs> you just, all of a sudden, you just turn around and look so, like, <laughs> solemnly at your toe. Okay, this like, is what, what happened. Yesterday, I went to get my nails done because I'm going on. Look, here. Let me show you. <laughs> right here. See how red it is? It's kind of red. It's puffy and red. 
I mean, it looks like they just like pinched it or something. Well, like that. what happened is um, I'm going on a, a trip in a couple days. So I was like, I'll go get like a gel manicure and, and gel pedicure. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to worry about it. Um, I'm not normally someone who has my nails painted out all the time. So I only do it for like big trips and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, otherwise I just do it myself at home. No big deal. Yeah. So the woman who was doing my toes, she like. I have a little bit of an ingrown toenail there, you know? Mm. And so she, like, ripped it out and, Uh, like, cut off a bunch uh, of the side of my toenail and then peeled it down and pulled it off. Listen, I told you, the the eyeball stuff. And I was, like, making protest sounds and trying to jerk my foot away the whole time. But she just kind of went, sorry, and continued doing it. Uh, And now it's red and puffy there, and I'm wondering if it's infected. And you know, it's the worst time to have a toe infection is going to be on this trip because I have to dress up and have open-toed shoes because I'm going to a celebration of life yeah. for Eric's grandparents. You know, I have put an some, like, I put some Neosporin on it today, but it looks yeah. a lot worse than it did this morning. So, so I have some, some salts, too. Yeah. I'm going to – I have antibiotics, like just oral antibiotics. I might just, just take them. Yeah. It's not going to hurt anything. No. It'll clear up my acne. <laughs> 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 okay, I forgot where we were. Uh, cross around her neck. Okay. Um, Hendy says, into his walkie, Reedy, bring them in. I guess we're as ready as we're going to be. Reedy says, got it, on our way in. So Sam and Dean walk into the station with their hands and ankles chained. They pause inside. Everyone is staring at them. <laughs> Dean says, why all the sour pusses? Sam notices Nancy grab her rosary. Like, what? Yeah. One of the cops says, I'll show you to the cells. He drags him along, and Dean says, hey, hey, watch the merchandise. We're not the ones you should be scared of, Nancy. Um, and I think her name was on the desk, one of those little, yeah. like, desk mm-hmm. name plaques. Yeah. So they get put into the same cell with their ankles still chained to each other. They try to walk in opposite directions, and Dean almost falls over. <laughs> they are uncoordinated. Yeah. They get out. Like, you'd think for being, like... BFFs and brothers that they would have a little bit more like moments of being in sync. <laughs> yeah, right. So Dina almost falls over, and Sam says, "Come on!" So they agree to sit on the bed together. After they get situated, uh, Dean says, "How are we going to Houdini out of this one?" <laughs> Sam says, "Good question." So we cut to Hendy making a phone call. He's talking to the FBI Deputy Director Graves. Uh, is that Groves? I think it's Groves. <laughs> Can't read my writing. Graves, maybe? That sounds right. Groves? Okay. I don't know. Something. I'm sure I say it. Oh, it looks like it's Groves. Groves? Okay. Yeah. Hendy says, I got them. Groves says, well, I'll be damned. I was betting on your headstone reading. Couldn't catch the Winchester boys. <laughs> Hendy says, well, they'll be at Supermax by morning. Groves asks, how? And Hendy says, armored bus loaded with men. Groves says, a bus? What are you trying to give me another ulcer? Hendy says, look, we're trying to take every precaution. Grove says, like the last time and the time before that. <laughs> Screw that. I'm sending a chopper. Hendy says, whatever you think is the best. Grove says, damn right. And I'll be on it. I can't take you losing these boys again. <laughs> they have been a primary thorn in my ass for months. So glue your eyeballs to them until I get there. They hang up and Hendy says to the sheriff, there's a chopper on the way. The sheriff says, but we don't have a helicopter pad. Hendy says, then clear the damn parking lot. So we cut back to Sam and Dean. Hendy comes over and says, you know what I'm trying to decide? Dean says, I don't know. What? Whether Cialis will help you with your little condition? (laughs) (laughs) Such a smart ass. Listen, you gotta know when to not push your luck, dude. (laughs) Hendy says, what to have for dinner tonight? Steak or lobster? What the hell? Surf and turf. I got a lot to celebrate. I mean, after all, seeing you two in chains... Dean says, you kinky son of a bitch. We don't swing that way. Uh, Hendy says, now that's funny. Dean says, you know, I wouldn't bust out the melted butter just yet. Couldn't catch us at the bank. Couldn't keep us in that jail. Hendy says, you're right. I screwed up. I I underestimated you. I didn't count on you being that smart. But now I'm ready. Dean says, yeah, ready to lose us again? They're not just a pretty face. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They got some brains. That's right. Hendy says, uh, ready like a, qu- whoa, what does that say? Dean says, 
you ready to lose this again? And Hendy says, ready like a court order to keep you in a supermax prison in Nevada till trial. That sentence didn't make sense to me, but that's fine. (laughs) Ready like isolation in a soundproof windowless cell so small that between you and me probably is probably unconstitutional. How's that for ready? Take a good look at Sam. You two will never see each other again. Aw, where's that smug smile, Dean? I want to see it. Dean says, you got the wrong guys. Hendy says, oh yeah, I forgot. You fight monsters. Sorry, Dean. Truth is, your daddy brainwashed you with all that devil talk. No doubt touched you in a bad place. That's all. That's reality. Dean says, I know. Dean says, why don't you shut your mouth? Hendy says, well, guess what? Life sucks. Get a helmet. Because everybody's got a sub story, but not everybody becomes a killer. And now I have two less to worry about. It's surf and turf time. And he laughs. I never understood the life sucks, get a helmet thing. <laughs> like, I. Yeah, I don't know. Like, get a helmet? Like, life sucks, deal with it, life sucks, whatever, but like, get a helmet? Yeah, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> I'm like, to prevent head injuries? <laughs> I guess to prevent life from beating you over the head? Like, yep. I don't know. Yep. So we hear the helicopter arriving outside. Groves arrives at the police station, and Hendy tries to shake his hand, but gets denied. Grove hands him a buttload of paperwork and said, instead. Hendy says, what's all this? Grove says, what can I say? The FBI didn't invent bureaucracy. We perfected it. Hendy says, you want me to do all of this now? Grove says, sorry, now. I'm going to go take a good long gander at our fugitives. Nancy looks thrilled that Hendy is being put in his place. (laughs) Groves goes into the cell area and closes the door behind him. He says, Sam and Dean Winchester, I'm Deputy Director Stephen Groves. This is a pleasure. Dean says, well, glad one of us feels that way. Groves says, I've been waiting a long time for you two to come out of the woodwork. Then Groves holds up a gun and shoots Dean in the shoulder. What a jerk. He keeps shooting and Sam manages to trap Groves' arm because he stuck it through the bars. He finally stops shooting, and Groves' eyes go Groves' eyes go demon black. So Sam starts to exercise him. Before Sam can finish, Groves says, Sorry, I've got to cut this short. It's going to be a long night, fellas. Then he demon smokes out while yelling. Um, and it was like a weird long yell, too. I don't know that we've seen that much yelling. You know what? Let's just pause it. I'm going to go take some antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> it's really bugging me. <laughs> okay. So everyone in the police station hears the yell. So Hendy and the cops race in there. Uh, Sam still has the gun and Groves is laying on the ground. Hendy says, put the gun down. Sam says, wait. Okay, wait. A cop says, he shot him. Sam says, I didn't shoot him. I didn't shoot anyone. Dean's yells, he shot him. That's Pirates of the Caribbean. He shot me. Yeah. <laughs> he shot me. He shot me. Dean says, he shot me. <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> I do go. that a lot. Listen, and I don't even remember what they're saying next, yeah. but I'm just like, hey, this is what would be funny if they said that. Yeah. And then they say it. You just know. You just have that comedy right there. I'm just freaking hilarious. That's all <laughs> <I am. laughs> it's fine. You are I keep hilarious. telling people, but nobody believes me. It's I fine. believe you. I bet our listeners believe you. Oh, oh. Or they think I'm nuts. It's fine. Listeners, I'm okay with it. Listen, listeners. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, no. uh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Thanks for putting up with our nonsense. Yes. Really. Yes. Okay. Hendy tells them to get on their knees, and Sam says, "Okay, don't shoot, please." Then he shoves the gun out of the cell onto the floor. Sam says, "We didn't shoot him. Check the body. There's no blood. We did not kill him." So one of the cops checks the body and says, "There's no bullet wound." Dean says, he's probably been dead for months. Hendy says, what did you do to him? Dean says, we didn't do anything. Hendy says, talk or I shoot. Dean says, you won't believe us. Sam says, he was possessed. (laughs) Hendy says, possessed, right. Fire up the chopper. We're taking them out of here now. Dean says, yeah, do that. Reedy, the other FBI guy, gets on his walkie-talkie and tries to contact the helicopter pilot, but there's no response. So he goes outside and finds a bunch of dead cops and FBI guys. Uh I know. Reedy gets on his walkie and says, they're dead. I think they're all dead. Then the helicopter explodes. Reedy survives, but then there's a uh, demon-possessed civilian behind him who kills him. They're surrounded. Yeah. Inside the station, the phones aren't working. Everyone's freaking out and loading weapons. Even the internet is down. Then the power shuts off. 
inside their cell. Dean says, well, that can't be good. <laughs> the sheriff says, it's okay. We're going to go right now. Hendy says, nobody's going anywhere. Everybody calm down. The sheriff says, your partner's out there. My men are out there. Hendy says, I know. We go out there. We're asking to die, too. Don't you get it? They're out there, and they're coming in here. This is a siege. So this might be a good time for you to lock the doors and windows and take a breath and maybe deal with this like trained professionals (laughs) with some sense in their heads. The sheriff nods (laughs) and goes to lock some doors. Hendy goes over to Nancy and says, you okay? She nods, but then shakes her head. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Yeah. (laughs) Hendy says, I wouldn't think so. Nancy, right? I'm going to get you through this. You have my word. You got that? She smiles and nods. So back with Sam and Dean, Sam is holding pressure on Dean's shoulder wound. Dean groans, and Sam says, don't be such a wuss. (laughs) Hendy comes in and asks, what's the plan? Kill everyone in the station? Bust you two out? Dean says, what the hell are you talking about? Hendy says, I'm talking about your psycho friends. I'm talking about a bloodbath. Dean says, okay, I promise you, whoever's out there is not here to help us. (laughs) Sam says, look, you got to believe us. Everyone here is in terrible danger. Hendy says, you think? (laughs) Dean says, why don't you let us out of here so we can save your asses? Hendy says, from what? You going to say demons? Don't you dare say demons. Also. (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you something. You should be a lot more scared of me. Then he leaves. Sam says, how's the shoulder? Dean says, it's awesome. I'll live, you know, if we get out of here alive. So you got a plan? Then they see Nancy peeking in on them. <laughs> Sam says, <Hero>? "Yeah, <laughs> what is she even doing?" <laughs> Sam says, "She's curious because they're the bad boys. They right? are. Like she's got to see them, and to, plus they're pretty. I mean, uh, yeah, I want to look at them too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, same." Sam says, "Hey, please, we need your help. It's Nancy, right? Nancy, my brother's been shot. He's bleeding really bad. You think you may- maybe you could get us a towel? Please, just one clean towel." Look, look at us. We're not the bad guys, I swear. She leaves, and Dean says, nice try. Then Nancy comes back with a towel. Sam says, thank you. She approaches slowly, and Sam says, it's okay. Thank you. She puts her hand inside the bars like a dumbass. (laughs) Toss it. I know, to give him the towel, and Sam grabs her and pulls her against the bars. She screams, and a cop comes in with a gun. Sam lets go, and the cop says, try something again and get shot, and not in the arm. The cop and Nancy leave. Dean smacks Sam and says, what the hell was that? Sam holds up Nancy's rosary. So we cut to some time later. Sam says, we're like sitting ducks in here. Dean says, yeah, I know. Would it kill those cops to bring us a snack? (laughs) Sam says, how many you figure are out there? However many there are, they could be possessing anyone. Anyone could just walk right in. Dean says, it's kind of wild, right? I mean, it's like they're coming right for us. They've never done that before. It's like we got a contract on us. Think it's because we're so awesome? I think it's because we're so awesome. <laughs> yes, Dean. <laughs> right. Awesome. Then the sheriff comes and unlocks the cell. He's acting pretty weird. He says, it's time to go, boys. He walks towards them, and they back away. Dean says, uh, you know what? We're just comfy right here, but thank you. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Handy comes in and says, what do you think you're doing? The sheriff says, we're not just going to sit around here and wait to die. We're going to make a run for it. Handy says, it's safer here. The sheriff says, there's a SWAT facility in Boulder. Hendy says, we're not going anywhere. The sheriff says, the hell we're not. So Hendy shoots him. Mm -hmm. Sam and Dean uh, fight with him, and they get Hendy's head into the toilet water (laughs) where Nancy's rosary is. The worst of the swirlies. I know, I know. So Sam starts to exercise him. A cop and Nancy come in, but Dean holds them back with Hendy's gun. Dean tells Sam to hurry up, but Hendy raises his head up and says, it's too late. I already called them. They're already coming. Sam shoves his head back into the toilet and finishes the exorcism, so the demon smokes out. Hendy collapses, and Nancy says, is he dead? But then Hendy wakes up. Sam says, Hendrickson, hey, is that you in there? Hendy says, I I shot the sheriff. <laughs> Dean says, but you didn't shoot the deputy. But you did not shoot the deputy. <laughs> Dean smiles, so proud of himself. And Sam gives him a what-the-fuck look. (laughs) (laughs) Like, dude, really? Right now? Right now? (laughs) Right. Hendy says, five minutes ago I was fine. And then Dean says, let me guess, some nasty black smoke jammed itself down your throat. Sam says, you were possessed. Hendy says, possessed? Like, possessed? (laughs) Sam says, that's what it feels like. Like, possessed? Now you know. (laughs) Yeah, right? Dean says, I owe you the biggest I told you so ever. 
Dean gives Hendy his gun back, so Hendy gets the keys and unchains the boys. Hendy says, all right, so how do we survive? So we cut to Sam making devil's traps and Nancy tending to Dean's wound. The cops gather all their ammo. Dean says, that's nice. It's not going to do much good. One cop says, we got an arsenal here. Dean says, you don't poke a bear with a BB. That's just going to make him mad. Hendy asks, what do you need? Dean says, salt. Lots and lots of salt. Nancy says, there's road salt in the storeroom. Dean says, perfect. We need to salt every window and every door. The cops go off to get the salt, and Dean says, how are you doing, Nancy? She smiles and says, okay. When I was little, I would come home from church and talk about the devil. My parents would tell me to stop being so literal. I guess I showed them, huh? <laughs> she, uh. she, I know, she finishes bandaging up his shoulder, and he thanks her. Some cops come by with big salt bags. Dean asks, where's my car? A cop says, impound lot out back. Wait, you're not going out there. Dude, where's my car? Dude, where's my car? Um, Dean says, yeah, I got to get something out of my trunk. So we cut to the impound yard. Dean is rushing to get some ammo. We see black smoke headed Dean's way as the lights start flickering. It chases him, but he makes it back inside okay. Everyone has been lining the windows and doors with salt. Once Dean is inside the police station, he yells, they're coming. Then black smoke starts trying to get into the station. It blankets all the windows and pounds on the doors for a minute. Then the lights stop flickering and the smoke goes away. Sam says, everyone okay? Hendy says, define okay. Dean says, all right, everybody needs to put these on. They'll keep you from being possessed. He pulls out little necklace amulets for everyone to wear. Nancy says, what about you and Sam? Sam and Dean pull down their shirt collars, and we see the anti-possession symbol tattooed on their chest. Is that the first time we've seen that, Yes, too? it yeah. is, yeah. Hendy says, smart. How long you had those? Sam says, not long enough. <laughs> so we cut to Nancy looking out the window. There are a bunch of possessed folk coming towards the police station. Nancy says, hey, that's Jenna Rubner. The girl Nancy's talking about has demon black eyes. Sam says, that's not Jenna anymore. Nancy says, that's where all the black smoke went. Sam says, looks like. So we see one of the cops go up to a window and look out. He accidentally breaks a salt line in the process. Dumbass. <laughs> well. Yep. We cut back to Sam and Dean. Hendy says, shotgun shells full of salt. Dean says, whatever works. Hendy says, fighting off monsters with condiments. <laughs> so it turns out demons are real. Dean says, FYI, ghosts are real too. So are werewolves, vampires, changelings, evil clowns that eat people. Handy says, okay then. Dean, I hate life. Yeah. <laughs> Dean says, if it makes you feel better, Bigfoot is a hoax. Handy says, it doesn't. How many demons? Dean says, total? No clue. A lot. Handy says, you know what my job is? Dean says, you mean besides looking up a lot? <laughs> Dean says, you mean besides locking up the good guys? I have no idea. Hendy says, my job is boring. It's frustrating. You work three years for one break, then maybe you can save a few people. Maybe. That's the payoff. I've been busting my ass for 15 years to nail a handful of guys, and all the while, there was something off in the corner so big. So yeah, sign me up for that big frosty mug of wasting my damn life. <laughs> he could make a good hunter. Yeah, I know. This is really where... Could. I think that that's where it was going to go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dean says, you didn't know. Hendy says, now I do. What's out there? Can you guys beat it? Can you win? Dean says, honestly, I think the world's going to end bloody, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't fight. We do have choices. I choose to go down swinging. Hendy says, plus, you got nothing to go home to but your brother. Dean says, yeah, and chuckles. Dean says, what about you? You rocking the white picket fence? Hendy says, mm-mm, empty apartment, string of angry, string of angry ex-wives. I'm right where you are. Dean says, imagine that. Then they hear a window break in another room. A demon has gotten inside. It's Ruby. Hendy says, how do we kill her? Sam says, we don't. Hendy says, she's a demon. Sam says, she's here to help us. Another cop says, are you kidding? <laughs> what is going yeah. on here? So Ruby is stuck in a devil's trap. She says, are you going to let me out? So Sam breaks the line of the symbol, and Ruby says, and they say chivalry's dead. Does anyone have a breath mint? Some gut splattered in my mouth while I was killing my way in here. <laughs> I just love her. Uh, Sam, yeah. Sam fixes the broken salt line on the windowsill. Dean asks Ruby, how many are out there? She says, 30 at least. That's so far. Dean says, oh good, 30. 30 hitmen, all gunning for us. Who sent them? Ruby turns to Sam and says, you didn't tell Dean? 
Oh, I'm surprised. There's a big new up-and-comer, real Pied Piper. Dean says, who is he? Ruby says, not he, her. Her name is Lilith, and she really, really wants Sam's intestines on a stick because she sees him as competition. Dean says to Sam, you knew about this? Well, gee, Sam, is there anything else I should know? He's only hiding a couple of things. I know. (laughs) Ruby says, how about the two of you talk about this later? We need the cult. No one says anything, so Ruby says, where's the cult? Um, Sam says, it got stolen. Ruby says, I'm sorry, I must have blood in my ear. I thought I just heard you say that you were stupid enough to let the cult grabbed out of your thick, clumsy, idiotic hands. (laughs) Fantastic. This is just peachy. I mean, also, she's not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Sam says, Ruby, and she says, shut up. Fine, since I don't see that there are any other options, there's one way I know how to get you out of here alive. I know a spell. It'll vaporize every demon in a one-mile radius, myself included. So you let the cult out of your sight, and now I have to die. So next time, be more careful. How's that for a dying wish? Dane says, okay, what do we need to do? Ruby says, aw, you can't do anything. This spell is very specific. It calls for a person of virtue. Dean says, I got virtue. (laughs) Ruby says, okay. (laughs) Ruby laughs and says, nice try. You're not a virgin. Dean laughs and says, nobody's a virgin. Ruby looks at Nancy, who looks away. Dean says, (laughs) yeah. Dean says, no, no way. You're kidding me. You're, Nancy says, what? It's a choice, okay? Dean says, so you never, not even once? I mean, not even, wow. (laughs) (laughs) He's like so flabbergasted that that could be a thing. I know. Nancy says, so the spell, what can I do? Ruby says, you can hold still while I cut your heart out of your chest. Dean says, what are you, crazy? Ruby says, I'm offering a solution. Dean says, you're offering to kill somebody. Ruby says, and what do you think is going to happen to this girl when the demons get in? Hendy says, we're going to protect her, that's what. Ruby says, very noble, you're all going to (laughs) die. Look, this is the only way. Dean says, yeah, there's no way. Nancy says, would everyone please shut up? All of the people out there, will it save them? Ruby says, it'll blow the demons out of their bodies. So if their bodies are okay, yeah. Nancy says, I'll do it. Dean says, no, no, you don't need to do this. Hendy says, hell no. Nancy says, all of my friends are out there. Hendy says, we don't sacrifice people. We do that and we're no better than them. Ruby says, we don't have a choice. Dean says, yeah, well, your choice is not a choice. Ruby says, Sam, you know that I'm right. Sam looks like he's contemplating it. Dean says, Sam, what the hell is going on? Sam, tell her. Nancy says, it's my decision. Ruby says, damn straight, cherry pie. Mm -hmm. Dean yells, stop. Nobody kill any virgins. (laughs) Sam, I need to talk to you. So they walk down the hallway, and Dean says, please tell me you're not actually considering this. We're talking about holding down a girl and cutting out her heart. Dean says, and we're also talking about 30 people out there. No, Sam says, and we're also talking about 30 people out there, Dean. Innocent people who are all going to die along with everyone in here. I need to take a drink. Sorry. (laughs) It's all good. Here, let's sing a song. (laughs) Wow. That was some song. Oh, yeah. I up as I went. Listen, I'm a composer. (laughs) Next time sing a Frozen song. I want to hear that one that you were listening to. The reindeers are better better than people. Sven, don't you think that's right? Yeah. Okay, that'll be next time. Yeah, people will beat you and curse you and cheat you. Every one of them's bad, except you. <laughs> I love that song. I do too. <clears throat> um, Dean says, it doesn't mean we throw away the rule book and stop acting like humans. And s- Okay, got it. It doesn't mean that we throw away the rule book, the rule book, and stop acting like humans. I'm not going to let that demon kill some nice, sweet, innocent girl who hasn't even been laid. <laughs> I mean, look, if that's how you win wars, then I don't want to win. He's, like, more mad that she would die before she got laid I than know, else. I know. <laughs> like, that's really what he's mad about. Sam says, then what? What are we going to do, Dean? Dean says, I got a plan. I'm not saying it's a good one. I'm not even saying it'll work, but it sure as hell beats killing a virgin. Sam says, okay, what's the plan? Dean says, open the doors, let them all in, and we fight. So we cut to Sam walking into the room where everyone is waiting. Dean says, get the equipment to work? Sam says, yeah, this is insane. Ruby says, you win understatement of the year. Dean says, look, I get it. You think, 
Ruby says, I don't think. I know. It's not going to work. So long, boys. She starts to walk away. Sam says, so you're just going to leave? Ruby says, hey, I was going to kill myself to help you win. I'm not going to stand here and watch you lose. I'm disappointed because I tried. I really did. But clearly, I bet on the wrong horse. Do you mind letting me out? So they break some seals and Ruby walks out with her knife in her hand. She says to the other demons outside, I'm leaving. Who wants to stop me? She walks through them unchallenged. Inside, Dean yells, all set? And we see everyone breaking the demon traps and salt lines. Then all the demons come rushing in and they all fight except for Nancy and a cop who are hiding on the roof. Nancy says, when this is over, I'm going to have so much sex, but not with you. <laughs> I love it. I know. Very specific, but by the way, not you. you don't stand a chance. Yeah. She says, we better move. So they get to the ground and close all the open doors and start lining them with salt. Before Nancy can complete a salt line at one of the doors, a demon comes running out. He hesitates, but runs away instead of hurting her. Inside, Sam and Dean get surrounded. One of the demons approaches Sam and mind powers him against the wall. Next to Dean, who is also against the wall. Um, that was a weird sentence. That's fine. <laughs> Dean yells, Hendrickson now. So Hendy goes over to a tape recorder and presses a play button. It starts playing an exorcism over the loudspeakers. The demons try to escape, but they're stuck because of all the salt. All the demons smoke out of the town folk, who all fall over. The smoke gathers on the ceiling before bursting into flames. Sam and Dean are finally released from the wall. That was pretty cool. I thought, like, it was interesting, because I don't think we've seen that before. And I don't think we've seen it since then, them, like, bursting into flames after. Um, I think that we do see smoke flame out and I can't tell you when or why that happens because it spoils it. I don't remember. But I think next season we'll see it. Huh. <clears throat> well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam and Dean are finally released from the wall. Hendy walks into the room and Dean shrugs at him. The power to the station is back on and all the town folk wake up. Hendy says, I better call in. Hell of a story I won't be telling. Sam asks, so what are you going to tell them? Hendy says, the least ridiculous lie I can come up with in the next five minutes. <laughs> I kind of like I kind of like Hendy now. Yeah, I like him now. Before I did not like right. him at all. Dean says, "Good luck with that. Not to pressure you or anything, but what are you planning to do about us?" <laughs> Hendy says, "I'm going to kill you." Sam and Dean Winchester were in the chopper when it caught on fire. Nothing's left. Can't even identify them with dental records. Rest in peace, guys. And Hendy shakes hands with both of the boys. He says, "Now get out of here." So they leave. We cut to some time later in the evening. A little girl walks in with into the police station with an older woman. Nancy says, oh, hey there. The little girl says, excuse me, I'm looking for two boys. They're brothers. One's really tall and one's really cute. <laughs> I mean, they're both cute. They're both tall, too. Honestly. I mean, really, though. Yeah. yeah. Nancy laughs and says, what's your name, sweetie? The little girl says, Lilith, and her eyes go all white. Hendy runs at her, but she puts her hand up and the whole room goes white with bright light. So, we I know. We cut to someone knocking on Sam and Dean's motel room door. It's Ruby. She says, turn on the news. So Sam turns on the TV. A news report says, the community is still reeling from the tragedy that happened just a few hours ago. Authorities believe a gas main ruptured, causing the massive explosion that ripped apart the police station and claimed the lives of everyone inside. Among the deceased, at least, at least six police officers and staff, including Sheriff Melvin Dodd, Dip, or Dodd, Dodd. <laughs> Sheriff Melvin Dodd, Deputy Phil Amici, and Secretary Nancy Fitzgerald, as well as three FBI agents identified as Stephen Groves, Calvin Reedy, and Victor Hendrickson. Two fugitives, two fugitives in custody were also killed. Ruby turns off the TV, and Sam says, must have happened right after we left. Ruby says, considering the size of the blast, smart money's on Lilith. She gives them some pouches, and Dean asks, what's in these? She says, something that'll protect you. Throw Lilith... Throw Lilith... <laughs> My tongue is not working. It's all good. <laughs> throw Lilith off your trail, for the time being, at least. Sam says, thanks. She says, don't thank me. Lilith... <laughs> <can't do> <laughs> I can't say Lilith. <laughs> Lilith killed everyone. She slaughtered your precious little virgin, plus a half a dozen other people. So after your big speech about humanity and war, turns out your plan was the one with the body count. Do you know how to fight a battle? You strike fast and you don't leave any survivors, so no one can go running to tell the boss. 
So next time, we go with my plan. <laughs> she leaves, and Sam and Dean look crushed. And, I mean, and really, though. I know. Okay, here's the thing. Like, they couldn't have known, though. No, no. You know, they, like, that was a really good plan. That, they tried yeah. to get away, and... To be fair, like, to get out of the situation they were in, they were successful. Right. And then Lilith came along afterwards. But, like, the su- they did have a successful mission, as it were. You know? Like, yeah. they, they got out of it. They did. But, and everybody was alive at the time. Mm-hmm. You know? Whatever. But, yeah. Okay. Thoughts. Like, it's, it's kind of weird to me to have, like, all the purple electricity and with the demons... Mm, all the like purple. Like, oh, you mean in, in the, the smoke? Smoke cloud. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of like, huh. And I, I never like figured out what the purple electricity really means. It's just like they just arbitrarily like picked a. Yeah, it's just thing, a cool you know? effect. Yeah. So, but also uh, Groves, um, the FBI agent, mm-hmm. he looks kind of familiar, and I cannot figure out why. Oh yeah, he did look familiar. He's probably been a guest on a lot of shows. Probably. Or maybe in a movie that I saw or something like mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, I was just like, what in the world? Yeah, he was familiar to me, but, too. Yeah. Um, so, what was your favorite moment? Oh, my favorite moment was when Nancy was admitting that she's a virgin and mm-hmm. Dean just could not comprehend it. <laughs> what? He was like, not even. Well, I mean, I would love for him to continue that line of thought because that yeah. sounds funny. Not even a little? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a tiny bit <laughs> like how does that work i don't know whatever yeah, anyway i just thought that about was, it too hard <laughs> yeah i just thought it was hilarious that dean just couldn't even understand could not fathom the fact that somebody that was like not a kid yeah had, had sex right yeah mm-hmm and then Ruby calls her cherry pie. I really like that. That's funny. He's like, oh, too soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what was your favorite moment? Um, my favorite moment was kind of at the other end of that, which was when this is over, I'm going to have so much sex. Yeah. But not with you. Yeah. <laughs> that was He's pretty like, awful. I'm hurt, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he looked like baffled and then hopeful. And, and she was like, like, no, no. Uh-uh. no. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. But yeah, that that was my favorite moment. Because it was just so, like, it was, she's like, this is what's going to happen, just so you know. And he's just like, what? Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden it's, oh, hey, maybe I stand a chance. And then, nope, turns out he doesn't. <laughs> right. She was very quick to, like, uh, uh-uh. Like, yeah. shut that down right now. <laughs> I mean. not a thing. They're probably good friends. Right? The girl and the cop, Nancy and the cop. Oh, probably. I don't know. I would assume. Well, I mean, not necessarily. They just might, like, they probably know each other fairly well, but I don't know. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) It's fine. Here. It's fine. So, our interesting facts for this episode. um, The title is a direct reference to a plot element. Ju in Bello means justice in war and refers to the guidelines for fighting well once war has begun. Smart fighting, I guess? Hmm. Okay. Um, this is the only episode of the series that includes both of the season's recurring female characters, Ruby and Bella, um, Katie Cassidy and Lauren Cohen, respectively, mm-hmm. though they share no screen time. Uh, the aliases listed on Dean's wanted poster are J. May. Me- oh boy, Mahogoff. Mahogoff. That's Mahogoff. a. That's a. That's a joke. Like J stands for Jack, so Jack Mahogoff. Like Jack. Oh my God. Jack Mahogoff. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. That's a thing. I did not know that was a thing. That was a thing. You learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad this is what you learned today. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, right? <laughs> Jerry Garcia, mm-hmm. John Smith, and Donald Strump. Oh, my God. That makes me want to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, so the first time the anti-possession... T- this is the first time the anti-possession tattoos are revealed. Um... So, this says that the episode title is based on Ju Bello or Laws of War. The which other one earlier was... it says Justice in War. So, I mean... So, I mean, it's translated. Similar. So, yeah. 
I just stuck my finger on something sticky. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> what it's is good. it? It's I don't know. There's something some sticky under the table. Sticky on the side of the table. Well, I think we can blame Killian for that. Probably. I was just like, I was messing around with like the edge of the table and like running my fingers through the little like grooves in the wood. Mm-hmm. And then I hit something sticky. <laughs> Gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I was just like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. Henriksen tells Sam and Dean he will be sending them to a supermax prison in Nevada until trial. Um, there are no supermax prisons in Nevada. There is, however, a supermax prison in Florence, Colorado, less than 60 miles from where this episode takes place. Oh, okay. Um, 60 miles in a helicopter seems, well, I guess it's not that much if you're flying, but Mm -hmm. helicopters don't fly as fast as an airplane would. True, but they're still like. faster than cars. Oh, yeah, for sure. So still, that's a bit of time in a helicopter. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at least I would think. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, so Henriksen tells Sheriff Dodd, look, I get it. You're Mayberry PD. Mayberry, North Carolina is the fictional small town where folksy Sheriff Andy Taylor and bumbling deputy Barney Fife were the law on the Andy Griffith show. Oh, I don't. I've watched I like that, I've but I don't remember that. it. Yeah, I don't remember it, though. Um, so Amy Garcia guest stars in this episode. She will go on to star in Lucifer, another series about angels and demons. Yeah, that's Nancy. Okay. Yeah, and she is totally in Lucifer, and I love her. You you have to watch Lucifer. I want to start it, It's yeah. really funny. So yeah. Nancy, she plays the, like, medical examiner. So she, okay. like, comes to look at the dead bodies and does, like, the science part behind it. Uh-huh. And she just has, like, the best fun character. Oh, yeah. You're going to totally love her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to watch that because, yeah, like I mean, it. I've heard a lot of people that are like, you have to say this. Yeah, it's pretty good. But, yeah. Um, okay, so after Agent Hendrick, Henriksen, I keep wanting to say Hendrickson, and I think I have been saying Hendrickson. I think that's what I say, too. I think that this is wrong. Because yeah. otherwise I would have been calling him Henny instead of Hendy. Yeah. Okay, we're going with Hendrickson. After Agent Hendrickson's exorcism, he says, I shot the sheriff. Dean responds with, but you didn't shoot the deputy. Mm-hmm. The lyrics of Bob Marley's song, I shot the sheriff. Um, this is the first appearance of Lilith. Um, oh, wait, hold on. There's a spoiler There's in one of those. There's a spoiler in that one. I was yeah. like, this, oh, never mind. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, this, the episode shares many similarities with the movie called Assault on Precinct 13. In the film, some cops, some prisoners who are about to be taken to prison and a secretary are stuck in a small police station while being ambushed by gang members. Um, in this episode, it's the exact same thing, but with demons. Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode, Hendri- Hendrickson says it's a siege. In the film, the sheriff says it's a, sh- it's a siege. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> he says basically the same thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, um, let's see. This episode marks the second time Dean has been shot in his left shoulder, uh, both times by a demon-possessed person. The first was in season two, episode Born Under a Bad Sign. And our research from this week um, is from visitoceanside.org. It's about the haunted Oceanside, um, the ghost of fire station number one. Oh, yeah. We went with a fire station. We couldn't find a haunted police station. Mm -mm. But we did. There was a fire station. Yeah, so. And we, I don't think we see, I mean, at least up to where we're at right now, there's no fire station or anything. Right. So, we're good. (laughs) So, this is... From, it's as seen in the O-Cider magazine. I don't know what that is. Um, so they kind of go into, like, a first person. Like, somebody did, like, an investigation, basically. So, like, they introduce it, and then they go into, like, the guy saying, like, this is what happened, and I did this, or we did this, or whatever. So I'm just going to read it how it okay. was written, because that's a lot to keep up with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it says, when we envision a fire station, we typically think of a safe place where our modern-day heroes wait to respond to emergency calls. These men and women are nothing short of brave. In their line of work, they witness things that most of us cannot even imagine. But at fire station number one, there are things happening that have our first responders feeling uneasy, which is paranormal activity. Uh, the firehouse was built in 1929 and was designed by a famed architect or by famed architect Irving Gill. Why was that so hard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> The building had a dual purpose. It functioned as Oceanside's fire station as well as the police station. Oh, hey. So it's both. Hey, look at that. 
I did read it, but I skipped over that part, apparently. Yeah, that's okay. Um, <laughs> the living quarters for the fireman was located above the garage and had a brass pole that allowed quick access to the truck. Hey, cool. I would Yay. like those poles. I know. That <laughs> <laughs> sounded bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ghost, right. like the Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the police station was next door within the same building and included an office, radio room, and booking and visiting rooms. The jail was located upstairs. Um, so this says you had to drag everybody up those stairs. The drunks were the hardest to get into the jail, which is from Ernest Taylor, a full-time fireman and police desk sergeant in 1935. Wow. Um, one of those drunks was named Johnny Rebovic. We'll go with it. Um, with a Within a 20-year span, Johnny had been arrested more than 56 times, mostly oh for public God. drunkenness. <laughs> um, in 1967, Johnny was arrested one last time. He was placed inside a jail cell and jail cell and given a meal. Later that night, Johnny was found sitting with his back against the wall, lifeless. Uh, the night we conducted our paranormal investigation, so this is the whoever it is, the guy talking. I mm-hmm. think it's the guy. Uh, the firemen gave us a tour of the building and shared their paranormal experiences. Johnny's name came up often. Um, the guys get messed with all the time. And this is a quote from Captain Tim Scott. It says, the guys get messed with all the time and a lot of the guys won't even sleep in the bunks. That's where the jail cells used to be. They'll usually stay in the front room. Wherever, whatever is here holds you down. You can't move and you can't speak. In the beginning, Ew. it's unnerving, but after a while, you get un- you get used to it. That is awful. I don't think I would ever get used to that. No, that sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's fine. I'm just pinned down. It's like sleep paralysis, but you're awake. Yeah, it's like one thing to like see something, but for it to like physically have an effect on your body is so much sketchy. more. I mean, scary. all of it's sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the firemen identified three locations as having the most paranormal activity. In jail cell number one, the drunk tank, (laughs) or in jail cell number one, the drunk tank, and the women's holding cell. All three have been converted into bunks where the guys refuse to sleep. (laughs) Great. Like, really? Okay. Um, after the tour, the firemen left the area so we could secure the space and set up our monitoring equipment. Um, our team consisted of four other people, Zach Cordner, Pascal Van Den Berk. It's like spaced out weird. Um, Jace Gardenier and Mike Pittman. Uh, we came armed with eight night vision cameras, numerous digital voice recorders, um, multiple professional grade DSLR cameras, K2 EMF reader- meters, and apps that allow energy to- energy to be converted into actual words. Um, once everything was in place, we turned off the lights, fans, air conditioning, and anything else that might provide noise pollution. Um, firehouse number one was silent. The air was balmy. We had no idea what we were about to encounter. And it looks like they have, like, a little video, but I'm not going to click on it. Okay. (laughs) Um, so it says, I ended up taking cell number one. A bottle of whiskey accompanied me inside the cell in hopes of enticing the dead to interact with us. Awesome. Drinks all around. Yep. Um, the rest of the team spread out throughout the building. As our night vision camera rolled, the cell seemed quiet and peaceful. I could see the moonlight shining through the skylight. After several minutes, something caught my attention. At first, I thought it was just settle- I was just settling into place, so I stayed there and waited for it to happen again. It did, but this time twice as strong. Something was tugging at my pants. Oh my god. Nope. Um, within seconds, there was a very distinct tapping noise on the bed frame. It seemed paced and deliberate. Well, throw up. Okay, a little fly just flew up my nose. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was I, it a fruit fly? I, I, I don't know. Go blow your nose. I'm scared. Hold Go on. blow your nose. <laughs> Get your finger out of your nose. Go blow it. I'm Are you sure? And it wasn't just like a nose hair that twitched or something? I think I saw it fly out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. So that means it's hanging out around me now. <laughs> and it's been in my nose. Ew. Oh, it's like when Killian sneezed and the fly came out. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Listen, that traumatized me. Well, apparently you guys just like have flies that hang out in your nostrils. Yeah. <laughs> 
Sinus? Uh, fly sinus? We'll start calling you fly sinus. Flyness? Flyness. <laughs> 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 I don't like it. Okay, sorry about that. I don't, no, it's all good. Um, where was I? I don't know. <laughs> I got oh, okay. totally preoccupied by my so, nose. It, okay, it's, it's a, it seemed paced and deliberate. I called for Zach um, so he could debunk or confirm the noise. It continued and seemed to get louder and more aggressive. Lasting several minutes, we were able to confirm the noise but not explain its origin. Um Later that night, we also captured an interesting EVP um, inside cell number one that was extremely loud, but at the time could not be heard within the cell. Um, so it was recorded, but they couldn't hear it mm-hmm. with their ears. Yeah, they listened to it later. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Mike was monitoring monitoring all of our cameras and saw some unbelievable orb activity in the woman's holding cell. These orbs seemed to be moving with intent, almost as if they were interacting with the camera. We also witnessed an orb blinking, which we've never witnessed in a pitch black room. That's cool. Um, I wanted to save Johnny's cell for last, also non- known as the drunk tank. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, really. Um, Jace was the first inside the cell and reported activity. Um, it says, upon entering Johnny's cell with a bottle of whiskey, I noticed a distinct smell of chewing tobacco. I knew somebody was, or I knew someone was waiting for me and could feel him in the room. Again, as the night vision camera rolled, I began an EVP session. During this session, I learned that Johnny is not the one who's responsible for grabbing or teasing the fireman. While inside the cell, I documented something that I'll forever point to as an absolute proof of paranormal activity. It started with a simple question, are you European? Um, as an empath, sometimes I feel things that I cannot explain, and this was one. I had a strong sense that whoever I was sharing the cell with was not from the country. The moment I asked the question, my K2 meter spiked, and I captured an EVP of a man singing. Listen, I've got, like, goosebumps all over my body, and I hate it. Um, (laughs) This is fascinating. Nope, I hate it. (laughs) Um... The voice is soothing, but sad. After reviewing the audio, I believe the man has an accent of some kind. Um, During the same session, I asked, were you here before the 1920s? And then it appears to be the singing man who responds with a clear and definite no. Um... Um, after speaking, or wait, sorry, after spending the night inside fire station number one, we know the firemen are not alone. Um, is Johnny still serving his jail time in the afterlife? We can't say for sure, but it's clear that there are multiple souls who either refuse or unable to leave the, or unable to leave 714 Pierview Way. Wow, that sounds amazing. I hate it all. I totally love it. I mean, listen... (laughs) I read it and like the little hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah, I don't. Little hairs on my arms stand up. (laughs) Little hairs on my legs stand up. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Okay, have you seen Night at the Museum too? I think I've asked you this before. uh -uh. So the guy who plays Ivan the Terrible, Mm -hmm. he at one point said to somebody, I don't remember, was this like, your stupidity makes the hairs on the back of my legs stand up like Russian ballerinas. (laughs) Yes. That's great. (laughs) I love it. That's totally great. (laughs) But anyways. Uh, So so, what was your Ijid or Aspet moment? So my, I'm going to go with Aspet moment. It wasn't really like, um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. So I went and I decided, so since Toby can't, I can't do anything with him right now. I was like, okay, I'm going to go get lunch. And then I'm just going to like get out one of the chairs and sit with him out in his little pen outside for a while and just like mm-hmm. hang out. And I figured he'd just like, you know, go and eat his Oh, just in case. No. And someone doesn't remember. Toby is Rochelle's horse. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I just keep a person in a pen <laughs> and eat lunch in front of him. And you can't have any. Yes. No. Yes. yes. No, I brought the bucket of snacks out, too, because I figured that I was like, okay, he's going to, like, smell the food and want some, or maybe he won't, and he'll just be like, oh, that smells weird, and walk away. I don't really know. But anyways, so did that, and I'm sitting out there, and he's, like, not really paying that close of attention to me, but kind of, and then he just starts, like, inching 
closer and closer and he's trying to like have his nose hanging up like hanging out over my food right so he can like smell it and maybe possibly steal some yeah but here's the thing he's got like a drippy snotty nose right yeah because he's been like you know breathing in dust and everything and their nose runs to like get the stuff out okay fine whatever but I'm like you are not dripping this in my food and he would not leave me alone so I'm like sitting there sideways like bent over trying Mm. to like shield my food and eat it I just spit all over the place Uh (laughs) I'm like trying to eat my food and everything and like throwing him these like horse treats like across the pen like just like trying to throw them on the ground so he'll like hear them bounce and go after them for yeah. like I'm like here fetch you know like go get it mm-hmm. which it sort of worked sometimes but not really if it bounced too far away then he's like nope your food's closer but he would not leave me alone and there was a certain point where he literally like he came up to me and stuck his chin like hooked his chin on my arm and was yanking it backwards to pull oh, my arm yeah. away from my food and like break because that was the arm that I had that I was holding my food in yeah. the other arm I was using for my fork and so <laughs> he's like pulling my food away from me I'm trying to like no and I'm like bopping him in the nose like go away and he's just like nope nope I'm just gonna like he figured that I guess like I can steal it if I'm just persistent enough yeah. I don't know but it was like the most one of the more I shouldn't say the most. It was one of the more difficult lunches that I've ever eaten as far as, like, trying to keep my food on the, you know, container and, like, not have it spill everywhere and not have him get spicy noodles because, listen, that would just be, like, hell for both of us. Right, right. (laughs) He'd be pooping everywhere and be miserable, and I don't know if it would, like, it'd probably totally jack up his system, and that's just what I need right now. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, he was being a little ass butt and wouldn't leave me alone. It sounds adorable. I I mean, it's cute until you realize that, He's an 1,100-pound animal, and if he wants something, he can really put some effort behind it. Yeah, totally. (laughs) it was kind of like, dude, really? Come on. But it was okay. It was fine. It ended up fine. He didn't get any noodles, and he got a lot of snacks out of, like, the little um, snack bag because he just was so obnoxious. I'm like, go away. Here. Mm -hmm. Here. I'm bribing you with cookies. Please go away. But... Anyways, so that was my ass butt moment, I guess. I love it. Which was yours. Well, I had an idiot moment. Um, My friend came over the other day, and we decided to drink. So, like, four shots into it. It's (laughs) it's daylight. It's pretty much the afternoon. And um, it had rained all day, but it wasn't raining now. So we decided to take Killian outside for a walk. And as soon as we got out of our house, we noticed this um, maybe five or six-year-old kid who is hanging out, playing with one of my neighbor's trucks. Like, it's like a hitch Mm -hmm. on the back of it. Yeah. And so we kind of walked by him, and we're looking for, you know, the adult that was with him because he's wearing... It's cold, and he's only wearing a T-shirt and shorts. He doesn't have socks on or shoes on, you know. So we thought maybe he lived at that house. We didn't know. But um, after kind of observing him... um, we decided to try and talk to him to see where, you know, like, where do you, where's your adult? Where's your adult basically. (laughs) And, um, so my friend tried to talk to him, but he put his hands over his ears and was just, he wasn't really like walking away from us, but he was just kind of aimlessly wandering around. So we followed him a little bit. And then I thought, you know, I really need to call the police. You know, there's no one else around in their, in our neighborhood that we can see. So I called the cops and I explained to them what's going on. And, um, at this point it's pretty obvious that the kid is autistic Mm-hmm. You know, just the way he was behaving and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so, you know, so I called the cops and they were like, we'll send somebody. And so a couple neighbors show up and we asked them, you know, if they recognize the kid or know what house he lives in so we can try and take him to the right house yeah. or whatever. Like here, and escaped. during all this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. during all this, we're, we end up at the big kid park in my neighborhood and the kid is like barefoot walking on gravel and wood chips and stuff and you know splinters man yeah yeah he just but he was just walking around with his hands over his ears so anyways so the mom finally comes over and finds him and she starts crying and i'm a sympathetic crier so (laughs) i start crying but like i gotta call the police back right because don't come yeah yeah. so i talk to him and i'm and i'm crying and i'm like i called you before (laughs) this this little boy and, and we thought he was lost but his mama just found him and she's She's here, and it's just so beautiful. I'm sorry I'm crying. <laughs> so they were like, okay. So anyways, I was just an idiot for crying to the police. But that's fine. The mom got the kid. It all worked out quite happily. 
So. I wonder, like, did she, like, was the kid lost? Like, did she not know I that think, he had wandered I her think off? Or, from like, what I understood, because I didn't talk to her because I was on the phone with the police. Yeah. But my friend talked to her, and it sounded like he just walked it right out of the house. Yeah. And she didn't notice Ooh. until a little bit into it. Yeah. So he was just aimlessly wandering around. I don't know if he knows his way around the neighborhood or not. He didn't seem scared or distressed at all. He was just wandering. But, but yeah. he did have his hands on his ears. So yeah. there was that. But he didn't, you know, his facial expression didn't look like he was in any kind of distress or anything. Yeah. So anyways, the cops came anyway yeah. after the mom and the kid left. Mm-hmm. And we talked to him for a little bit. But it was all fine. Yeah. So it worked out. Well, that's good. Yeah. I just feel like a dumbass for crying on the phone. <laughs> to like, the... It's beautiful. I know. It's fine. The mom I mean, is that's here. not a dumb thing. That's just, you know, sympathetic crying thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, sympathetic <laughs> crying always makes me feel like an idiot. Just, I don't know. Someone on a movie or TV show cries, I cry. <laughs> you know? I don't, I don't have that at all. Ugh, I wish I didn't. I don't cry, like, hardly ever. Mostly just when I'm really, really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> Funerals are the worst for me. Oh, I've yeah. been to a couple funerals where I didn't really know the person who died, but I mm-hmm. cried so much just because of everybody else's grief. You yeah. Know? Ugh. Yeah. Hard for me. I, I I do. I've cried at funerals. Yeah. But I, yeah, like movie shows, or movie shows, TV shows, movies, you know, books, that sort of stuff. I don't, I mean. Yeah. I, I'm jealous. It's fake. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. Or visit our Facebook page, Idgits and Aspets, a supernatural podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.